Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 179. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi guys, how are you guys doing? What's up? What's Hello. going on? I am Hi, huddled everyone. in my PJs uh, on the couch with a blanket. I'm a Southern California girl I'm on the brink of freezing to death. <laughs> <laughs> it is very cold. These winds are crazy. Like, I think I saw the Wicked Witch and the Flying Monkeys outside <laughs> my window. Yes, last night it sounded like the roof was coming off of our house. Yeah. It was nuts, dude. Yeah. And some of my plants, like, all just kind of keeled over from the wind. It Aww. was just, it's sad. I'm like, I'm not even going to pick you up. I'm going to wait till this wind is over and then pick you up. Because <laughs> they just kind of, like, fell over because they're a little bit tall over their pots. So yeah. they just kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm just like, I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm just going to wait till this is over and then proceed to pick you guys up. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's get right into it. Um, it is time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, you have some juicy chisme. Well, apparently the actors who um, play uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, which are Kristen Ritter, and we just said who the other one was, and I can't remember now what his name, something Coulter. <laughs> um, Mike Randall Coulter? What's that? I think it's Mike Randall Coulter. Mike Randall Coulter. Okay. So um, those two people have been teasing nonstop on social media about their supposed return to the MCU. So that's actually pretty interesting, pretty exciting. I'm a huge, um, I was a huge Luke Cage fan. Uh, fan uh, fan of the TV show. Um, the first ep- the first season of Jessica Jones I enjoyed. I don't even think we finished watching all of them. I think we watched the second one. Is there a third? I don't even remember. Um, I don't think there's a third. Well, then we didn't finish the second. Then there was one that we started <laughs> and we never finished. But um, I really enjoyed both of those series. But even more so, I love. Uh, Jessica and Luke's relationship and storylines in the comics. And so um, this is something that's really exciting and I hope uh, that it's true and I hope that we get to see an iteration of this couple that is not so um, kind of like toxic because that's kind of what we saw in, uh, in the shows. Like she was always drunk and he was off doing other stuff and you know in his neighborhood being a, a savior and stuff so didn't have a lot of time and then i just got salty when they put him together with misty which i understand but no it's not right he's supposed to marry jessica and have a baby <laughs> <laughs> daniel cage <laughs> they um actually i'm sorry there's three seasons of jessica jones I okay so there's that. that okay yeah, so it was the third one then that we didn't watch. So, well, we'll see what we get, but I think that it's exciting. And also, this would be a Disney Plus uh, iteration of these characters because um, all the other ones were on Netflix. So I'm interested right. to see what comes about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're definitely going to do it. Uh, I'm sure they're going to do a different job about it. Maybe take these characters to a different kind of a different spin on things. So I admit, I'm very interested to see what they do with it, especially since Disney Plus has really been knocking it out of the park with all their other series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care what people say. I love She-Hulk. That shit is bomb. <laughs> I love it. I don't care what you say. You can come at me. Speaking of Disney Plus, some cheeseman that I heard today in the shop was that they fired a whole, that they're literally... <laughs> Literally. I hate when people do that. But maybe literally. <laughs> yeah. They are hemorrhaging money so much so that they fired a ton of people last week. So um, apparently what is happening is that um, 
I guess they're not getting enough people, new people signing up. Um, and so they're trying to kind of, uh, figure out how to make money. Um, and I, when, when the customer was telling me about this, I was like, you know, it's true. I don't really go to Disney much to watch too much. Like if it's a new Marvel thing, I'll watch it. But once it's over, like Hulu and Netflix, I'll go all the time and try to find something. But on Disney Plus, I don't find myself doing that a lot. So um, apparently, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I, he said it was something like 700 people or something got fired, laid off. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. That's terrible. I mean, considering like so, how much money they actually make at their parks and all of that. And then, I mean, yeah, there's quality oh, in their my shows, gosh. but. Sorry, I lied. It's 7,000 people. Oh, my God. Damn. That's horrendous. Disney's laying off 7,000 as streaming boom comes to an end. That was a story on February 8th. Um Yep, they, they're looking to cut costs amidst low subscriber growth. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, like, what are you going to... There's only so many people, and there's only so much that people can sign up for. Yeah. Like, I don't pay for Disney+. Plus, um, um, But I managed to get my shows anyways. The only <laughs> one I care about is The Mandalorian anyways. Um, um and, like, that's not enough to pay for it. Like, I can only pay for one streaming service. And right now that's HBO Max because they have The Last of Us. And also all the Studio Ghibli movies. So I always go and watch those. I even put them on in the background. Like, it's just background noise at this point. That's what I'm paying for. <laughs> um, and even then, the, like, $1 increase that they put from $14.99 to $15.99 mm-hmm. for the version without ads. I was always like, oh, that's it. Like, I don't... Though, again, the only reason that I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep paying for it is because The Last of Us was coming out. And I was just like, I'll stick through it for this. <laughs> and even then, and um, um, same thing. And they can't do anything because I think, if anything, the whole Netflix password sharing thing fiasco yeah. showed everybody that, you know what? People will cancel. Yeah. Instead of paying more. They they were because yeah. that's what people were doing. People were like canceling. Yeah. Well, because in order to try to nip it in the bud, as they were as it were, um, what they were saying was that you ha you couldn't like the cool thing is that People would use Netflix when they traveled. So they would go to a hotel room and, you know, watch it there. Or they would go to a friend's house. And, like, if it's my Netflix and I'm watching it, I should be able to log into at my friend's house. Just because it's a different TV, it's still what I paid for and still what I'm watching. And they were basically saying you couldn't do any of that. Like, you literally had to just choose one place and only watch it there. And everyone was like, no, that's... That who yeah who cares uh, that's like, just that's, cable yeah exactly <laughs> that's just cable and you know what I would rather pay cable and get more shows than just pay for one fucking service mm-hmm. like this is it's so funny how it just cycles all back yeah man to um uh, but if they want to stay relevant I don't know what they're gonna have to fucking do but it, the it's really funny because Hulu um uh, even like um uh, you um uh, YouTube TV, uh, which is funny. Um, uh, and what is the other one? Because Hulu is part of the like whole Disney conglomeration yep. too. In fact, that's part of the story. They're trying to figure out how to unload Hulu. Mm. How to unload Hulu? Like stop it? Like, like get rid of it. it? Like they, they don't, they're wow. wanting to cut their ties. Yeah. Incredible. But I like Hulu because you can get like regular television shows on Hulu. Yes, that's mm-hmm. why I got upset. That's, that's why I watch point. Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> when I fall asleep on Monday nights, I watch it on Hulu the next day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I'm also trying to figure out like it's uh it's Hulu, like YouTube TV or like you, you know, it's YouTube TV now because it used to be YouTube Red or YouTube right, Premium or something that, like that. Yeah. Oh, Amazon Prime. But Amazon Prime is because it comes with like yeah. the whole like Amazon like yeah the the whole thing like yeah so that is like that's just whoever signs up for like Amazon Prime gets Prime Video too so that's how they're like 
they could be artificially inflating the numbers. Who knows? I barely fucking use uh, Prime Video. Yeah, I rarely do too. Only when I need to get those old school horror movies. I I was watching uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh, yeah. And they do have Invincible. Invincible is good. Oh, that's right. I never, I watched the first episode and I remember, I was like, (gasps) I forgot how violent this was. And then I didn't watch it anymore because I, it just didn't, not because it was violent, but because it just didn't, I was like, man, I'm not interested. And I never continued. That's fair. And like, um, uh, they seem to be putting a little bit more into their animation, but they also, they had like a thing going on where they weren't paying their animators a lot either. Oh, and so, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there was that drama. La misma canción well. in all of the companies. Yeah. The same song and dance. So it's all, they need a. I'm wondering what the next step is as well. Like, are they just like gonna, are they gonna like start combining with each other? But then if they do, literally it's just cable. <laughs> mm-hmm, it's yeah. literally just cable. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm good with the ones I have, but uh, I was I was shocked actually, because in my mind, enough people w- were signing up because, you know, to keep their kids entertained in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess uh, that enough people uh, or not enough it's people are having kids. women who don't want to have kids. <laughs> yep. We're coming to. That's Guilty so true. We're coming to the era where a lot of people have chosen to not have kids anymore. So there's this big gap where there's nobody signing up for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real reason they want to get rid of our um, reproductive rights. You know what? That's coming so full circle. Coming full have circle. More people signing up for Disney Plus. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it. That's it. We've we've cracked it. We've cracked the code. We've cracked the code. Down oh with God. capitalism. <laughs> my body, my Burn choice. The TV to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Now it's time for on my radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? So on my radar this week, you might find it to be surprising that it's a Superman book because I don't know if you know this, but I'm not that big of a what? Superman fan. I find him particularly boring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but um, Superman number one came out this week and I read it. It's part of the Dawn of DC kind of like kickoff this year. And don't get too worried. Um, It is not a reboot. Thank the gods. Um, It's not a rebirth. It's not a a new 52 type thing. It is just uh, DC's way of basically, and they're doing this for a whole bunch of different um, titles, but they are creating jumping on points. Uh, for a bunch of their uh, flagship characters. And so Superman was one of the first ones to come out, and it is a number one. And basically, um, this is happening after Dark Crisis and something that's been going on right now called the Lazarus Project, I think, is what it's called. Um, But um, basically, Superman had been away, where this story picks up, had been away for like 10 years or something. And he's coming back, and we're finding him um, basically just being the Superman that everyone is used to. He's working at the planet, the Daily Planet. And um, interestingly enough, Lois Lane is actually running the Daily Planet. She's the editor. Um, We have Jimmy Olsen there. There's all the regular, you know, characters. And Lex Luthor um, is in prison. But the interesting thing is that he is communicating with Clark because, as you know, from if you've seen movies, if you read the books, Clark can hear. They're in love with each other. <laughs> Clark can hear everybody. And so Lex uh, knows this. And so he's communicating with him um, in that way and like basically trying to tell him what he wants him to do. And a weird twist in the story is that since Lex is in prison, he has left LexCorp uh, to Superman. Wow. But not he didn't leave him LexCorp. He actually 
changed it to Supercorp and basically gave him all of access to all of the technology and everything that he needed to be the quote unquote best Superman that he could be. And Superman's like, I don't want any of your crazy crooked schemes and shenanigans. But of course, in true comic fashion, something happens in the comic that makes it um, necessary for, um, for Superman to go and basically need the help of Supercorp. So it was a really good first issue. I really enjoyed it. Um, and the one thing that I enjoyed the most was I didn't feel that I had to have read all of Superman up until this particular issue to understand what was happening, which is exactly what I feel like is the case when I'm trying to read the current X-Men books that are coming out right now, I have tried, I don't know how many different <laughs> titles and I'm reading them and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. They reference so many things that have happened within the last year or so. And because I haven't read them, it makes no sense to me. And they're so <laughs> convoluted and dense. I'm like, I really want to like X-Men, but it's like the barrier of entry <laughs> is so like hard for me like it's tough so i didn't feel that way at all for this book of superman and i'm actually interested in reading a lot of the other dawn of dc books for other flagship characters because i feel that way sometimes because i have not been reading comics like everybody else who comes into the shop since they were you know in their mother's womb and they know all of the history of all of the people and and that this happened in this iteration and then this happened over here and of course those things still happen and those stories are still relevant but they did not have any bearing on my enjoyment of this particular book so superman number one is uh, out this week and uh, because it's a number one, most shops, I'm sure, have ordered very high. I know we still have issues on the wall. And there were a lot of really cool covers. So um, that is what's on my radar this week. All right, guys, it's that time again. It's La Hora de la Cervecita. Yes. Girls, what are we drinking today? Woo! I really feel like you keep making this segment like earlier and earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm counting down the minutes. Incredible. The minutes. Oh, <laughs> we, need a, we need someone to tell us the, that keeps listening consistently how how much earlier Hora de la Cervecita gets. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm excited about this one because you guys Ugh. know I love myself a Belgian style ale. Oh my God. And so this is a, a Belgian style, hoppy Belgian style ale from the brewery. And um, where's the brewery located? Uh, I think Anaheim. I don't know. It doesn't say. My, my, my beer just exploded on me. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, no. I'm, pro I'm preoccupied here. I'm trying to save it. Trying to save it. Speaking of that, Kristen, you have your flashlight on? Yeah. And I can see the glow. But uh -huh. for a moment, I thought that when you opened your can, that, <laughs> that was like happening. <laughs> you just glowing like, I was like, her can lights up? Mine doesn't light up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, yes, I have my phone light on so I could read the can, which says this wickedly good golden ale is fiendishly dry hopped to add a layer of complexity to its fruity, crisp Belgian style character. Citrus and resin aromas combine with notes of ripe melon, pear, and slight peppery spice in our winner of the Golden Medal 2016 Great American Beer Festival. American Belgio style ale. It does say Belgio. <laughs> it smells a little hoppy. Yep. Yeah. So this is an 8.5% ABV beer, and it's called Mischief. And I know that brewery, I feel like it's a California brewery, but I don't remember where it's from. Yeah, they're actually located in Placencia, California. Oh, okay. Which I don't know where that is because I've never been, but it's in California and it looks like 
It is. It, it, it's right near Anaheim. Yeah, it's about 30 minutes right. away from us. Yes. So if you're ever in California. To save money when I would go to Disneyland, we would stay in Placentia. Oh, okay. But I would tell everyone we were staying in Placenta. <laughs> Like, cooler than Placencia. Hot tip, you guys. If you're ever going, now you know. Kristen has revealed her secret here. Well, I really, I picked this up at um, the uh, um, Caps and Corks in Torrance. And um, I love the art. It's just this kind of little label. And I like the font on Mischief. And the brewery is spelled B-R-U-E-R-Y. B R U E R Y. So it's not the uh, traditional brewery word spelling. Um, I've heard great things about the tasting room. I still have not gone, oh, but I heard really yeah. g- great things about it. Um, so that's why I got this beer. And plus, I was like, what? We love Belgian styles. And this being kind of like a hoppy Belgian, I was like intrigued. So, what do you guys think so far? So, I have never had a Belgian style ale that described itself as hoppy and I didn't know what to expect. And I'm, I, it definitely is, um, unique. Like I don't think I've ever had a Belgian style ale that tasted like this. So I'm, I'm still like trying to decide what I think. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. I've had a couple sips and it's unique. I don't hate it. It's not like, um, uh, the last beer that we had that was like super like in your but that one was a triple hop uh, IPA oh that's yeah. right so this one is there's definitely a hoppy aftertaste mm-hmm. but that initial taste there is is so the initial taste is good yeah like I, as you're drinking it it is it's just that kind of hoppy aftertaste really lingers, especially like kind of in the back of the throat. So I'm not fond of that, but I am very fond of this, like the initial like drink that you take. Um, uh, it's got, it's got like, um, I definitely can taste like some kind of spice. I don't know what spice it is, but it definitely has. Well, it did say it was peppery. Yes, I do get that peppery sensation for sure. With notes of ripe melon and pear. Okay, there we go. Um, uh, so it almost has like kind of a um, med or like it is ale. So it does have that kind of like fruity taste as well. So I am liking that. Like when you sip it, like I think this is a beer that can be easily chugged. <laughs> <laughs> um. um but also, like, it's it's definitely that aftertaste that is, like, for me, it's not really doing much for me. But I know, like, if you do like hops, you definitely won't mind it. And I think this is pretty good. Uh, minus the whole, like, weird lingering hoppy aftertaste. So for those listeners who might not know what, what is a Belgian ale, apparently Belgian beers are... Um, <clears throat> Ales that are made with top fermenting yeasts that ferment at warmer temperatures, as opposed to lagers that are made with bottom fermenting yeasts that ferment at cooler temperatures and require a longer time to mature. So um, Belgian brewers often supplement the balance of malt, sweetness, and hop bitterness you find in every beer with fruity, spicy, floral, and herbal aromas. So that's what I am finding because that's what I like about Belgian beers is there's a balance. But with this, I feel like the hoppiness is taking over that particular signature Belgian flavor that I like. Yeah, there's definitely just a hint of it. Maybe it was brewed in that style, but because of the hoppiness, it, it's just a, a dab, a hint mm-hmm. of Belgian yep. style. Um, I just had a Belgium at uh, Common Space Brewing, and I can taste the similarities of the Belgian style, but this one definitely is overpowered by the hoppiness. And also, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like there's like a like a peppery uh, uh, aftertaste with the hops but initially when you when you drink it initially i get a lot of the citrus stuff i i'm struggling to find the melon and pear in it but i'm sure that's the fruity portion of the beer that creates that kind of fruit fruit note in the back of the back uh taste but um 
I actually really like this. I like this because it feels like something familiar, like Belgian style, but also something different with the hops and, and the pepper and the fruits. Uh, especially, I, I particularly really, really feel the uh, citrus portion of this of this taste profile. Mm. I also have a sensation that as it becomes room temperature, it will change. It will have like a metamorphosis in flavor. <laughs> um, so I can't wait to keep sipping on this. But this is for me, it does sit a little heavy on my stomach. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely something you can sip. You can chug, like Jen said, but I think this is like a nice sipping beer. And I think the flavor profiles lends to it becoming room temperature. So I think it's I think it's fairly complex with something familiar as Belgium style, I think, especially like as it goes on, as it becomes more room temperature, I feel more of the peppery stuff kind of crawling up my nose, like kind of like in the, you know, like, I don't know. How, I don't know how to explain it. But it's like I feel it in my nose a little bit, the peppery sensation <laughs> of it. So um, are we ready to actually rate it? Yes. I'm going to start because it will only go up from here. <laughs> <laughs> I love IPAs and I love Belgians, but I love them for what they are separately. And this is confusing me and I don't like it. So I am going to first tell you what the rating scheme <laughs> is. Um, uh, we have a five-point rating scale with um, uh, if there's something under one, we have flaccid. But then we have a one is very unsatisfied. A two is unsatisfied. A three is neutral. A four is satisfied. And a five is very satisfied. And if it is off the charts, amazing, then that is a six out of five, which is super saiyan. And I have to say that I am going to just give it a three, although I'm not neutral. I I 100% don't like it. (laughs) But um, I would drink it with food. Like I would enjoy it if I were eating food with it, but I'm just, I, it's, it, I want my IPAs to be hoppy and my Belgians to be Belgian. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. It does. (laughs) Yeah. I, this is Sarah and I, I really like it. I like this complexity of flavors that is kind of like, tickling my fancy here so i'm gonna give it a satisfied this is very satisfying i could sip this throughout this episode and be really cool like like it's like riding a wave like yes i'm satisfied (laughs) what about you jen so i'm actually gonna stick with Kristen. i'm gonna give it a three out of five because um we've had belgians that i've liked and i would if this did not have that hoppy aftertaste or like the hoppy taste in general, I think it would really enjoy. I think this could easily be like a four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I hate that hoppy aftertaste and I think it's really ruining the rest of the drink. Um, and like Kristen said, I think they should both be distinct. Um, uh, I think maybe this is someone like if you were trying to get someone who's an IPA drinker to like start drinking Belgiums, I think this is a good way to do it. Or someone who drinks Belgians to drink IPAs, this is a good way to introduce them maybe. Um, uh, cause it has familiar notes to each of them, uh, about it. But as someone who just in general doesn't really like super hoppy tastes, I'm going to go with a three. And that has been our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, girls, ladies, madams, senoritas? <laughs> today we are reviewing Blackwater by Jeanette Arroyo and Ren Graham. It is published by Henry Holt. And company. Henry Holt and company, uh, based in New York. And the cover design is by Lisa Vega. So I'm going to read a bit of the synopsis that they have here in the book, in the back. Um, uh, Welcome to the haunted town of Blackwater. Tony Price is a popular high school track star and occasional delinquent, aching for his dad's attention and approval. Eli Hirsch is a quiet boy with a chronic autoimmune disorder that has ravaged his health and social life. 
What happens when these two become unlikely friends and a whole lot more in the spooky town of Blackwater, Maine? Werewolf curses, unsavory interactions with the quarterback of the football team, a ghostly fisherman haunting the harbor, and tons of high school drama. <laughs> yes. I did not. I Like I said, I never read the back matter because I want to be surprised in the story. And I got to say, man, uh, I like ravaged this book. I mean, I went right through it. Like I couldn't stop reading it. It was so good. <clears throat> I was really surprised that it was not in color, but that's okay. <gasps> Seriously? I'm just, I didn't even notice. <laughs> oh, see, that means the book is good. Kristen <laughs> hates black and white. The only, the only that's color right. was the, in the, the chapter, chapter introduction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to say, dude, oh my God, loved this book. The character development was so well paced. I absolutely love the art and the way that and the reason I love the art so much is the attention to detail in the expressions of the characters. I mean, it's like, I know you're in high school and therefore you're dramatic and I'm just going <laughs> to bring it out in your face. I mean, half of the stuff that, that the dialogue was talking about and stuff wasn't even like most of the story being told. Most of the story I was seeing was like in those little moments of like the anguish in the face, in the sadness, in, you know, like just the facial expressions were just amazing. I think this artist is doing such an amazing job. Like it was just really great. And I just loved it. I even liked the bully. I even like um, Biff. He was he was cool. Um, mm -hmm. I I thought it was really well paced. I love the story. I the only thing that I have a problem with is the same problem that Jen has that she expressed at the beginning of uh, when we when we logged on to record this episode because I felt that exact same thing. I was like, oh my god, what? But um, overall, all the characters are awesome. Um, I the artwork just really just really brought out the story just really i thought the marriage between the 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 you know the the um the writer and the artist was just like made in heaven um i totally loved it loved the whole thing um anyway what do you guys what do you guys think so this is kristen and um i love the story but i can't agree with loving the pacing i feel like there was a lot of things that I wanted more of. Um, all of a sudden, we just see uh, Tony, like, I guess we see him see look at Eli, like, out of the corner of his eye a couple of times. But it, I felt like that relationship was rushed. Um, and I wanted... Um, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I know we wanted more on that subject, but I feel like, you know how his dad said, I got you a car and you're still taking the bus? I feel like he's been longing for Eli since then on. I said, we don't see it, but his dad mentions it. You're still taking the bus? Uh -huh. I got you a car. Like, really? So I feel like that was kind of part in the back matter. Like, he has been pining for Eli for a while. We just don't see it. Mm -hmm. I didn't even, I just I thought that he was taking the bus because the car that he got was shitty and he didn't like it <laughs> I mean, anyway a reference to that but yeah i did i did see i mean i did see that his dad said why are you still taking out about your car but i just thought it because he did make a he did make a comment of um it might not be what you want but you you have to appreciate what you have so that's why i thought and then i because i thought to myself well i'd rather drive a shitty car than take a bus <laughs> so yeah, exactly. i must have missed that part but still um, I I think that um, there were a couple of times in the story where I just felt like it was rushed and I wanted um, more uh, either explanation or just um, more of the story uh, put in there. Um, one of the things that I found very, what's the word? I don't know if I want to say interesting or um, refreshing or whatever. Um, we find that there's a character in the story and it's more than halfway through um, is a trans character. And yes. um, it is kind of just stated nonchalantly in a conversation and there's no, absolutely no reaction to it whatsoever. And I found that kind of like, 
I did find it shocking, but I also found it very refreshing. It's just like everyone just accepted that that's what it was. And, and that's what the situation was. And that's, you know, didn't need extra, um, highlights, uh, highlights. And I, and that character does get made fun of and bullied in the story, but there's no indication of the, that that's why. So, um, I, I kind of did find that, uh, refreshing part of the story that it, it's not overly, um, spotlighted and highlighted because at the end of the day, who fucking cares? Right. <laughs> I also really like the fact that, you know, the parents in the story, like the main parents, are kind of all assholes. They're all kind of just people that are struggling with their own demons. And there's no real explanation for it. But there's a lot of love between the, you know, the the children and the parents. But it's not necessarily shown or expressed because the parents have their own demons or their own shit they're dealing with. But I also found it refreshing, like you said, um, that they didn't overemphasize in the trans aspect. But I also really liked the fact that even though Tony was having such a hard time getting his dad's attention, and his dad is obviously a functioning alcoholic, um, that when he finally talked to his dad, like really sat down and talked to him, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm having these feelings for this guy, but we're not even talking anymore. His dad didn't say, oh my God, I didn't know you were gay. Or, oh my God, yeah. you know, like he didn't fucking blow a gasket he yeah was so understanding it was like you know what these things happen high school is like this you know it's gonna be okay like if anyone can can survive in this world it's you like i believe in you and you know you're gonna be okay like even though he was such an a-hole for like a long part of the story like i felt like when he was present and not intoxicated he was able to see the pain his son was going through and sit down and really talk to him and listen. And I really appreciate that about the story. However, with Eli and his mother, who I think, you know, you know, we are, we all, well, maybe not Kristen, but I mean, my mom and dad were immigrated to the U.S., so they have a kind of a different style of raising their children you know, not as like pampering. <laughs> that's just immigration parenting, baby. Yeah, that's so that's how I feel Eli's mom was, you know, like I put a roof over your head and give you food and take you to the hospital when you need to. Like, what else do you want from me? What like, more do you want? Like, yeah. What more do you want? What? You just, you know, like, I mean, I felt kind of like this. I related to that a little bit, a little bit. I mean, my mom was not like that, but I mean, I just related to some of that stuff, you know, like, mm-hmm. but um, I thought they did a really good job with the story. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Jen. You you tell us what you think of the book. Oh, I loved it. I think um, uh, Mar- Marcy was my favorite. Oh, because, yeah. Like, yeah, no, like Marcy was who I was in high school. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Just a wait, weirdo. wait, wait! I think it's Marsha. Marsha, yes, Marsha. Yeah, it's Marsha. Yeah. That my favorite part. I also loved Marsha, and my favorite part was um, when sh- uh, Eli and Tony um, are uh, becoming friends again after a blowout, and she's like, "Okay, I'll let you guys catch up," and they're like, "No, we can walk you home," and she's like. Uh, I'm I'm walking in in uh, nighttime. I'm like I'm in my perf- I'm in my perfect gothic uh, <laughs> environment. Yeah. Let me enjoy it. <laughs> that was my favorite. Yeah, that was my favorite thing. I actually have a uh, sticky note on it because that was like my favorite part. Uh-huh. It said, "No thanks," and basking in the darkness of the night. I'm in my element. <laughs> like, oh, she's just so fucking awesome. Yeah, she was great. I mean, and I think she was like the one that kind of stole the show from the whole, all the characters. Yeah. Like, I feel it was the right portion of her, but I wanted more. Like, I really wanted more. She was just like totally awesome. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Jen. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. Like, so I really loved her. I honestly, I did like most of the characters in here. Maybe some of the supporting characters were a little bit more shallow because, but that's, I think, because they did just a really good job of developing their main, like, kind of cast, which was the four, um, uh, Biff, Marsha, Tony, and Eli. Um, um, and they they made, like, a really, like, good, well, Biff and Eli had 
some trouble. But towards then, I think they were able to kind of like resolve it a little bit and um, um, also kind of insinuate like some things towards the end. I don't want to really spoil it, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I think there's going to be a third um, uh, unknown entity running around <laughs> in the woods again. So, but it was really, really good. I do think um, um, it's a big book. It's actually, like, pretty, like, thick. There's some, like, panels and pages where there's not really any dialogue, but there's a lot going on with environmental storytelling um, uh, that you kind of want to do, like, slow down to, like, kind of look at the pages and see what's going on and what they're trying to tell. Um, uh, Especially because the... Did we mention that there was ghosts in here? No, I was yes, gonna say yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's a that's a big part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big part. It's not the main part, but it's a pretty big part. Mm-hmm. It's not the like the like well reveal sort of that we kind of see on the cover of the book, but also like about a third of the way through the book, they like kind of reveal what's going on, a little bit of what's going on. Uh, but there is a ghost. But he doesn't really talk much. Maybe, like, it was a warning here and there. But a lot of his um, uh, role was very much environmental. Um, and uh, Eli as well, uh, when communicating with other ghosts. I thought it was really good. I thought, I found it, um, uh, actually, I shouldn't have, um, because uh, when the reveal about the trans character came out, I kind of was expecting it simply because from the trans people that I know and how they've always escaped um, uh, or like, sorry, um, uh, described how they felt in locker rooms lined up so much with what was um, uh, being said in the Mm -hmm. comic that I was just like, as soon as that was mentioned, I was just like, Hmm. Okay. I think I see where this is going. And then when it was revealed, I was just like, ah, confirmation yeah so definitely that's kind of i'm not saying it's a universal trans experience but it's definitely something that i think has happened uh enough that it can be kind of that i think it's like a thing relatable mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i hated changing in the locker rooms too especially in middle school yes god, that shit sucked. oh my god i had such anxiety yeah i had such anxiety about um about going to middle school because I thought we were going to all be forced to get naked together to shower. Yes. <laughs> and I had such anxiety about it. And then we actually went to PE uh, and nobody showered. Not one single person. We all went to the rest of the day stinky. I and I know. had PE second period. So I went to, I, I was stinky all the rest of the day, but I'd rather be stinky than get naked with a bunch of other 12 year old girls. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're so judgy from what I can remember. Yes. Like, it was a horrible time. Yeah. Because, like, there was the girls who, like, got their periods or who were just, like, getting boobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they would make fun of you if you were overweight or if you were, oh, God, I hated it. Or, like, they would be able to see, like, the tags on your clothes and whether what you were wearing was, like, designer or not. And then mm-hmm. they'd make Ugh. fun of you if it wasn't. Oh, God, I fucking... Middle school are the worst years. Yep. Like, honest God, to God. for sure. Just, like, oh, my God. Like, I remember this girl, like, across from me in the locker room, and she had, like, Victoria's Secret bras and panties, and I'm just, like, here with my, like, abuelita cotton chonies and, like, my, <laughs> old, my old lady, like, over-the-shoulder boulder holder, and I'm just, like, ugh. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be seen. I just I First of all, what parent is buying their 12 and 13-year-old children exactly, Victoria fucking exactly, secret? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. There were some girls that maybe had a hole in their stocking or their sock and oh my god, we never heard the end of that shit. <laughs> I'm just like, why are you even looking at their feet and their socks and their, you know? Like I'm just trying to get dressed and undressed and like as soon as possible. I, I don't want to make any eye contact. You know, don't look at my flab. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, that's traumatizing for freaking sure. Yep. yep. I spent my whole summer between sixth grade and seventh grade because that's seventh grade was when our middle school started. Really stressing out about PE class. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then when and they showed those freaking movies from the 70s where they were actually showering, mm-hmm. I was like, 
what the fuck? I take half an hour in the shower. How are they going to let me shower for half an hour? First of all, there's no time to shower. <laughs> Second of all, there's no walls between showers. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I didn't, I didn't know. Like, I was just like, I was just afraid, period. Yep. So are we actually ready? Oh, did we even mention? I mean, I know there's werewolves, but werewolves are a big part of the of the story. We don't want to spoil yes. it. You got to read it. You got to definitely uh, read it yourself because I don't want to spoil anything because it's so good. Like, I, I feel like there's a perfect uh, a balance of like teenage angst, high school angst, bully angst and werewolves and and ghosts. I love it. Yeah, there's definitely a very strong horror element here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I just want to point out Jeanette Arroyo is a Latina creator um, and Ren Graham. Uh, they both created this together. And um, I don't know if what uh, they both Jeanette was raised in New Mexico, but recently moved to Seattle. And Ren uh, is also from Pacific Northwest. So um, I just want to make sure that we did give a shout out to Jeanette Arroyo, the Latina creator that we are highlighting for this book. Absolutely. Oh my God, I just can't get enough. This is such an amazing book. I really enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot of fun. And I would say this is a YA title. You can actually yeah. share this with uh, mm -hmm. younger children. Like I feel that they could understand the story and relate to it actually. So are we re ready to rate the book? Yes. Yeah. What is a rating scale, Kristen? Oh, so we rate our books on a scale from one to three conchas, with um, three being the most conchas that Jen's mom ever let her eat in one sitting. So that <laughs> was the best. Uh, and so I'll start in. I'm going to rate Blackwater um, three conchas and... I, even though I'm cold right now, I am, I, and I don't even care. Sweet with sweet goes fine with me. I guess champurado sweet too, but I'm craving a glass of Jamaica. So I'm going to do three conchas and a big old styrofoam cup of Jamaica. Ooh, I like that. Um, this is Sarah, and I'm going to rate it uh, the whole panaderia. For me, it was just, I enjoyed the heck out of this. Um, I related to some of the stuff with the characters and not one character all. I think I felt a, like, a little bit of kinship with all the characters. Um, so I really loved it. The artwork just blew me away. The facial expressions were just amazing. I Oh, my God. And then highlighting a character with an autoimmune auto uh, deficiency I thought was really cool. Um, so I'm just going to I'm going to give it the whole panaderia. What about you, Jen? Same thing here. I I, did, I really, really enjoyed it. I think this is a fun comic. I think it's a fun YA one. Uh, good horror. Um, um, good uh, good pacing. I, I really, really did it. In, um, uh, okay. It was really well paced in a lot of areas. There were some areas where it was just a little bit like a little too fast or a little bit too slow. But overall, good pacing. Because um, um, we want to be honest here. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to give it the whole panaderia as well. Um, uh and a cup of champurrado or hot tea, which is also a thing that I have somewhere. Um, uh, it was really good. And I think uh, it should definitely, it deserves a good read, especially if you're a horror person. So that has been our book review. All right, guys, it's now time for En La Libreria. What do you have for us today, Jen? So today I have for us... Lift As You Climb, a book of Black academic encouragement. So it is an academic and mental health workbook specifically designed for Black students to thrive in higher education based on Dr. C's dissertation. So um, uh, a little bit of the um, uh, story like or the uh, campaign is... Uh, Lift As You Climb, the Book of Black Academic Encouragement, is an academic and mental health workbook, um, uh, everything that I had just said, uh, based mm -hmm. on Dr. Nelson O.O. Zolome's research enhancing academic persistence and mental wellness of Black undergraduate and graduate students across the U.S. 
Black students encounter racism, gaslighting, isolation, and being made to feel othered on campuses across the U.S. These instances result in lower academic achievement and mental health outcomes that negatively affect their lives and career trajectories. Over 80 Black undergraduate and graduate students wrote letters of encouragement to other Black students detailing how they used a combination of their inner strength, support system, and cultural roots to help them traverse these obstacles. By engaging with these powerful and vivid stories, readers can not only better understand Black students' distinctive experiences in higher education, but also learn how to implement these these skills to thrive in school. Lift As You Climb is not just another growth mindset self-improvement book. This culturally-centered book harnesses the power of the collective to elevate Black students' stories and experiences to promote their holistic well-being and the sense of belongingness. By actively engaging with these powerful and vivid stories, Black students will learn from their academic ancestors to successfully overcome systemic oppression in higher education. Uh, and then they list uh, kind of what will be inside uh, the workbook. So a lot of it has um, uh, encouragement letters, uh, like they said, from 80 Black U.S. college and graduate students, uh, specific advice that goes beyond thinking positive um, uh, and basic self-care tips. And how to like develop uh, like a healthy mindset, vivid and personal stories to help Black students combat feelings of loneliness, isolation, and discrimination in higher education, and a list of resources for Black students to continue maximizing their holistic well-being, um, um, and dis- guided discussion prompts, reflection questions, and information for student groups as well. So. Uh, they have videos of some of the readings or some of the sample letters that were sent in uh, for this as well, and as well as a couple of teams. Um, um, they have a breakdown of who worked on the workbook and how everything is being uh, distributed as well. So it's an, I think it's an interesting project, and it's something that I that like it's based off of like someone's dissertation as well so i think that's really really interesting uh they have a goal of twenty thousand dollars and they're currently at five thousand two hundred sixty six dollars with 12 backers and 45 days to go so they've they've they have this extended out i think it's interesting and i think a lot of people really uh kind of forget or they don't really know just how isolating it is being a minority in uh, a college campus uh, because it, it is, it's pretty isolating as someone who has gone through that, um, uh, is going through that, um, um, and really having like some kind of support system, or if you don't know how to make a support system like that, because it took me a while to build mine, uh, and kind of get my feet rolling. So being like young and then being suddenly thrown into this, uh, high academic world with like no support I think this is a good way to like kind of learn how to do that and how uh, also to see that you know you're not alone in uh, in the struggle for high of higher education so uh, highly interesting um, so you can always pledge without a reward you just want to support it but the base pledge starts at five dollars where you have exclusive access to the um, uh, LTB online community. So you will have um, uh, exclusive access. And apparently this is typically priced at $47 a month uh, where you can find support from like-minded folks. And then at $10, uh, you have access to the GSTM self-assessment. So kind of like a way to... um, um, I guess almost like a personality quiz or something like that. And then uh, at $30, you can get an advanced copy of a podcast episode. And then at $50, you get the advanced ebook of an upcoming book. And then uh, where do you actually get the book? Actually, I'm looking at this right now. While you're looking for that, like I can totally see how this project is something that we definitely need. Um, I did not go to college. I went to community college for like a couple of years, but my cousins went to Bryn Mawr in Pennsylvania from Compton. So uh, the first one that went wow, to- Wow, that's uh, a big culture shock. It, yeah, like, and you talking about this project just made me think of how this, 
this content would be totally something that they could have used during that because it was not only a culture shock, but also like maybe imposter syndrome and maybe just mm-hmm. assimilating to the East Coast and especially Bryn Mawr, who is known to have uh, students that are well off economically. And so that kind of just juxtaposition of like you coming from Compton uh, and then going and then somebody spends like five hundred dollars on a crab for dinner. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, definitely. OK, so fifty dollars, the advanced copy of the upcoming book. It was just phrased weirdly. That one at fifty dollars, you get like all the previous rewards, plus a physical copy of the book as well, which like workbook wise kind of. Falls, uh, I mean, if you're talking college textbook, workbook, uh, price it's a deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It pretty much is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, check it out. It's a uh, lift as you climb, uh, the book of black academic encouragement on Kickstarter. I love it. All right, guys, it's not time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today um, on our segment, which is a segment that highlights uh, other members or groups of marginalized um, groups that uh, have projects that we believe need to be highlighted, I have something called East Coast Black Age of Comics Convention. So the East Coast Black Age of Comics Convention, originally slated to be called the Pan-African Comic Convention, or First World Comics Con, is an annual gathering of comic book artists, writers, their fans, and retailers who are interested in discussing, buying, and selling comic books, sci-fi, action figures, and related material by and or about Black superheroes, superpower characters, and adventures. In addition, the convention also features panel discussions, self-publishing, and graphic art workshops for aspiring creators and film screenings of works of veterans and amateurs alike. The convention is held in Philadelphia each May, preceded by a reception award ceremony. The ECBACC is the first bona fide black comic book convention in Philadelphia, PA, and serves as a replicable model for community-based comic book conventions. The ECBACC has successfully cultivated images of black superpowered characters and has effectively served as a nexus conduit and catalyst for black comic creators, their colleagues, and fans since 2002. So since we are in the last week of Black History Month, I definitely thought it was important to highlight this and you have until May to plan to get there. Um, this year, it's going to be happening on Saturday, May 20th from 11 to 7 at the Temple University Student Faculty Center. Um, and um, you can um, get more information at ecbacc.com. And even more importantly, this um, event is completely free. Um, however, youth 12 and under must be accompanied by an adult. So, um, and they also have something on the 26th going on at the National Liberty Museum in Philadelphia called, um, NLM celebrates beyond Wakanda, imagining the future with black comic creators. And that's Sunday, February 26th from 12 to five. So, and that's also free. So they have a lot of stuff that um, they sponsor and that um, they put on throughout the uh, year. Um, It just uh, looks like they have a lot of cool stuff. Um, And so uh, if you are in the Philadelphia area or you plan to be there in May, be sure to uh, attend the East Coast Black Age of Comic Convention Saturday, May 20th from 11 to 7. I think we should gather ourselves and go out there in May next year. Next year. Like, we should go out there and just fuck we it up. We still have two months. I can't make it this year, dude. You can't work it this year. I can't make it this year. <laughs> I can't. We can't. I can't make it. Like, mentally prepare for travel and everything. I mean, I got to really mentally prepare. But, no, I... I am telling you guys now, I think we should definitely do that. Philadelphia is an amazing city. 
It's going to be great. We could hang out with my cousin. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you for bringing that. And especially the fact that they have it every year in May. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to wonder when is it going to happen? No, it's happening in May. We can we could work with that. We could definitely work with that. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. A quien estamos saludando, Kristen? Well, today I am giving saludos to a local creator, um, also black creator for Black History Month. His name is Alan Carter, and I am saludando um, pobre Alan because he was scheduled to appear uh, at an in-store signing at Heidi Hill Comics today, but wouldn't you know, he got called for jury duty, so <laughs> he missed it, and we didn't have him at the shop, but um, he has, um, he is a writer and illustrator, um, promoter and freelance artist. And um, he has a, uh, a comic called Damn Tourists. So um, he, the way he describes it is, think about all those times you've gone on vacation. At some point, you're bound to run into or maybe become a damn tourist. Someone who is easily distracted by any scenic structure or destination, spouts off incorrect or outdated information on anywhere you're visiting, having no regard for others or any photography skills for that matter when taking pictures. And last but not least, no fashion sense. So um, that is um, Alan's uh, comic that he was going to come today and uh, sell and talk about and um, just try to get his information out there about the book. Um, but he wasn't able to come. So I'm doing that today and I'm giving him saludos. And you can find all about Find out all about Alan's books at cartercomics.squarespace.com. Dude, I remember meeting him at LA Comic Con in LA. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, LA Comic Con used to be Kamikaze. Yeah. Anyway, when he told me about his book, I was like, that is my worst fear. Like, I like to travel. So, like, <laughs> I always look up information about how to dress and how not to dress. And also, like, be conscious about, like, your selfie stick be conscious about the people that are waiting to take a picture at that location that you're taking a picture at. Um, so yeah, that's right up my alley, dude. And when I, re I heard about his book, I was like, I got to get his book. But for some reason, I just didn't, you know how like you make your initial walk mm -hmm, and then you'd mm -hmm. say, I'm going to come back. I didn't come back, but now it's on my radar again. And I'm going to freaking look into that because that's <laughs> my worst fear right there. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, Kristen? You can find us at comadrecomics.com, where you can find all of the links to all of our social media platforms. And also check us out on YouTube, where you can find our Las Platicas episode, where we interview uh, creators and talk all about their amazing projects. I have noticed a lot of activity on our YouTube page. A lot of people have been subscribing to our YouTube page. So I just really want to thank you guys for actually, I know we haven't put any new interviews and content on our YouTube page, but there have been subscribers. And I really want to thank you guys for um, watching these interviews and, you know, getting inspired. Like when we did the interviews ourselves, I felt so elated and inspired by these creators and their journey and their story. So thank you guys for subscribing to our page. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for interacting with us. We really appreciate you guys. We wouldn't be here without you. Um, just to let you guys know, uh, Kristen is going to be in Arizona on Oh, yes. So we're going to, we, I say we because it's going to be me and Eddie. I'm going to be in Arizona on this Saturday, which is February 25th. And it is going to be at a very small convention that we found out from, about from, um, Henry Barajas. He's originally from Arizona in the Phoenix area, and he has a friend putting on this small convention called um, the Arizona Comic... Let me see. What's it called? Arizona Comic Book Arts Festival. Um, and so it's at the Phoenix Shrine Auditorium, and it'll be on Saturday the 25th. 
and you can um, come by um, Eddie's table, which is uh, collectors, um, probably going to be in a little booklet or pamphlet or whatever that day. And I'm going to get a tiny little spot on his table to promote Comodacy Comics. I'm going to have some books. I'm going to have some stickers. There's going to be free things. So make sure that you come and stop by and say hello. And this is Sarah. I'm going to be at the Latino Comics Arts Festival in Modesto. And that's going to be March 17th and 18th. And that's a free event in Modesto. Um, look up at social media. We have all the information there. Uh, it is a wonderful event. I'm the only one who's going to be there. But I will be there with Eddie as well. So you can come down. He gets around. Yes. And <laughs> pick up some free swag. We're going to have stickers, buttons, also books for sale. Uh, we have these amazing uh, shopping bags that my husband brought from Nicaragua with our Comadresi Comics logo. So be sure to come on down and say hello if you're in the area. Um, also wanted to let you guys know that there's another event happening March 4th at a comic book in Manhattan Beach. It's called The Asian Invasion. So it's a free event. So check it out. Look up co uh, the comic book in Manhattan Beach location. It is March the 4th. It's called Asian Invasion. That's a name. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode again. My name, we have been your hosts. <laughs> I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 And that's on period. Network. <laughs>